0: First Peter chapter 3, in your Bible today, I hope you brought your Bible. One of the marks of a good church is that people carry a Bible. They check out the preacher to see if they're hearing the truth. First Peter chapter number 3 today, the subject is bless and be blessed. All month long, I'll be preaching on the theme of the blessed life or the blessed life. And if you want to be blessed, then you'll have to be here because I'm going to tell you what is involved in that word blessed that we use so often. But first, let me read to you. Will you stand with me, please? And we read God's Word, 1 Peter chapter number 3. And we begin reading in verse number 8, 1 Peter 3 and 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind. In other words, have unity. Having compassion one of another or for another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, meaning have pity upon one another. Be courteous. Wow. Remember that when the service is over and you're on the parking lot. <laughs> and there's 40 cars ahead of you and uh, you want to get home. Be Courteous. Is that what it says? Okay, well, that's a very relevant passage. Actually, that's my message today. Let's bow our heads and go on. (laughs) Because that says a lot, doesn't it? And in verse 9, not rendering evil for evil, or railing or insult for insult, but contrarywise blessing. There's our word. Knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. Now, this is one of those passages of Scripture that can be difficult for a lot of people in the King James Version, which is our official Bible here. So I want to read it to you from the Amplified Version, which gives an explanation of the text. And read it from the screens. We believers are called for this very purpose, to bless or to eulogize is really the word there, Never to return evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, blessing, which means to pray for other people's welfare, happiness, and protection, truly pitying and loving them, for know that to this you have been called. Now, I want you to look at that phrase. You have been called to be a blessing. And the reason you've been called to be a blessing is that you may yourselves inherit a blessing from God. So the meaning is very simple. We bless that we may be blessed. We bless that we may be blessed. What a wonderful, wonderful portion of God's Word. And thank you, and you may be seated. The word blessed appears 302 times in our King James Bible. The word bless appears 127 times throughout the Bible, and the word blessing 67 times for a total of 496 times those words are used. Bless, blessing, and blessed. It must be an important subject to appear almost 500 times in the Word of God. And yet, I want to say that those words have been trivialized, and uh, they have been stripped of their significance to where they're almost insignificant. They're almost meaningless today in our vocabulary. For example, when somebody sneezes, people say, bless you. Well, that's about as, uh, that is about as uh, thorough a way as I could think of to uh, trivialize an important concept of Scripture. And then I'm on Facebook or Twitter if you want to get into some real deep thinking, of course. Because that's full of it, isn't it? And the fellow says, "Um, We moved into a new house. Hashtag blessed. Is that what blessed is really about? Or great score on my SAT. Hashtag blessed. Are you bragging? or are you um are you are you thankful i can't tell by that by that post and i walk out the door and somebody says pastor that sermon was a blessing or we listen to the choir and the orchestra here as we did this morning and people say oh that was a blessing you should have heard that song this morning what do we mean by all these terms using that word that appears in our scripture 500 times well I think to get a good insight, we go all the way back to the beginning, and would you turn with me the book of Genesis, chapter 27, and we'll begin to have a good, thorough biblical understanding, and as, after all, that's what we seek here, isn't it? A biblical understanding of what these terms mean that we're going to talk about for the rest of the month. And we'll look at the importance, first of all, of the blessing, the importance of this word, blessing. And the background here, let me tell you the background, then we'll read a little bit together. The background is that you have this old man here named Isaac. He was the son, you remember, of Abraham. And he had twin sons, Jacob and Esau. He and his wife, um, Rebekah, had these two, two sons born to them, twins in their old age. And he now realizes that he's becoming very, very old. And he wants to give a blessing to his sons. And so he calls actually both of them in to his presence. Now, he's going to live for 40-some years after this, but he thinks he's about to die. So all of these Jewish patriarchs in those days, these men, they would call in their families at the end of their life, and they would offer these blessings upon them so this is the case here with Isaac. He calls in Jacob and Esau to receive the blessing. Now, but a strange thing had happened. You must understand this background. When these boys were in the womb, the two boys, when Rebekah was pregnant with them, God spoke to them and said to them, look, the younger is going to serve the older. In other words, the second born son is going to serve the the firstborn son. And that upset the order because the tradition was, and been passed down for centuries, even then, was that the oldest son always received the blessing. But not so. God said, I'm going to change the order. I have plans for the younger of those twin boys, and so the blessing is to go to the younger. Well, but the older boy was the favorite of Of uh, Isaac, and so he was a hunter. He was a man's man, and the younger boy sort of stayed home and uh, was more studious, more introverted, I suppose, and the mother favored him. His name was Jacob, and so she devised this scheme where she was going to get the blessing for Jacob. She was trying to help God out. And, you know, God doesn't need anybody to help him out. He would have gotten around to getting that done in exactly the way that he wanted. But Rebecca was one of those people who wanted to help God out. And so you know the story, the background of the scheme. And so finally, Jacob comes before his father. And as he stands before him, his father thinks that he is Esau and he extends the blessing. We read what the blessing was. Chapter 27 and verse 28, his father no doubt put his hands upon his head, and with great solemnity and sincerity, he said, therefore, God, give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth, meaning real bountiful crops, plenty of corn and wine, and let people serve thee, and nations, nations bow down to thee, which happened because Jacob became the father of 12 sons who became the tribes of Israel and ultimately the nation from which our Lord came. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord or leader over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone that curseth you and blessed be be he that blesseth thee or you. And so Jacob obtained the blessing that uh, everyone thought Esau would get, but Jacob received it. Now, the pastor's outline sermon Bible says this, has a great note here. It says, in ancient times, the blessing of a father was a very significant event. It was a time set aside when the father transferred the birthright and family inheritance to his sons, usually the oldest. However, if the older son proved unworthy, the father could pass the blessing to a younger son. The blessing was a legal and binding contract in that society, and it always included the birthright or the inheritance of the father, end of quote. So why was this blessing so, so important? Because right after uh, Isaac got through blessing Jacob, Esau walks in. All of his life, he had assumed he was going to get the blessing. But Esau had not lived a godly life. In fact, he lived a wicked life. In fact, he had broken his parents' hearts. In fact, he had married women and consorted with people he should not have consorted with. In fact, he was a keen disappointment to his mother and dad. He brought tears to them. He broke their hearts. And now he walks in. He sees the scene that his brother has obtained the blessing and the birthright. And he says, what is going on here? And then he looks at his father with anguish. And look in verse number 34 in your Bible there. And he cries out. He says, oh, bless me too, my father. And he's very passionate, very emotional. And then in verse 38, he repeats it again. Oh, bless me too, Father. Don't I get a blessing today? He is heartbroken and crestfallen and disappointed to his core because he thought he would be blessed. And the blessing was important to him. And now he's missed it. And there will never be another chance for him. Why was the blessing so important to this young man who twice cries out, Oh, bless me too, my father. Here's the reason why. Four reasons the blessing was important. First of all, the blessing involved the birthright, which meant a double portion of the inheritance. There were two sons, so the inheritance would be divided three ways and one of the sons who got the blessing and birthright would get two-thirds of it And the other son would get one-third. He would get a double portion every time, that oldest son. So the birthright gave a double portion of the inheritance. It it prospered him twice what others would get. Secondly, the blessing involved God's approval and favor. In verse number 28, you can see that. It, It involved God's approval and God's blessing in their life. Thirdly, it involved the leadership of the family. And in this case, the father of a nation, an entire national blessing. And fourthly, it involved God's protection. If anybody curses you, then he will be cursed. And if they bless you, they will be blessed. So it was considered to be a very, very important thing in, the, in a person's life. It wasn't a trite thing like after somebody sneezes, oh, bless you. This was a vitally important thing to any man in that society, that he obtained the blessing from his father. Secondly, it was was thought to be predictive. It was considered to be predictive. It was a prediction, or if you will, a prophecy of the future. And it would give the person who received that blessing a sense of destiny, of, of mission that There was a plan for their life that God had and that this blessing was symbolic of a path that God wanted them to walk. Now, another thing about the blessing to understand it, it was not a guarantee. It didn't guarantee anybody anything. It was conditional. In other words, if you met the conditions for the blessing, then you would receive the blessing, the promises of the blessing. But if you went your own way and lived a wicked life, and were disobedient to the Lord, then you would not receive the blessing. And so this is why the blessing is so significant throughout the Bible. It involved the inheritance. It involved the presence and approval and favor of Almighty God. It involved leadership and assumed that God would give you the ability and equipment to do that. And it involved God's protection and purpose in your life. Now, turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, if you will. In the book of Deuteronomy, you will see this idea, this blessing. And um, in chapter number, number 11, Deuteronomy chapter number 11, go there with me. I want you to see some of these and mark them in your Bible. And here Moses is giving instruction to the children of Israel before they go over into the promised land. He's telling them God's plan and God's will for them. What a wonderful scripture for the first of the year. We stand on the threshold of a new year today. We stand here looking over into the promised land, looking into the darkness, not knowing what the year will bring. We have no idea what this year is going to bring. And so we need God's favor, God's blessing, His approval, if you will. And God reminded them, Deuteronomy chapter 11, and often if you go to a liturgical church, a Catholic church, an Orthodox church, or an Episcopal church or something, at the end the priest will hold his hand up over the people like this, and he will quote this passage as a benediction. Behold, verse 26 of Deuteronomy 11, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God. See, there's the condition for the blessing which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of your way, out of the way which I command you this day. And if you go after other gods which you have not known, it will come to pass then bad things are going to happen to you. In other words, is what he's saying here. I won't go further with it. So God said, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. And we could apply that to us. So we understand now Esau's cry. When he missed receiving the blessing, he says, oh, my father, will you bless me? And he cries out with emotion, Because the blessing of God was so very, very important to this man for the rest of his life. As I studied to prepare for this message and the others to follow, I looked up the word blessing and began to do a word study of it. And I found out there are four words for blessing in the Bible. I want to show all four of them to you in this message this morning so that you will understand uh, the whole concept of blessing here. First of all, if you will go with me, the book of Genesis chapter 1. I think everybody can find that real quickly, can't you? Genesis chapter 1 this morning, and we're on the end of the fifth day of creation. God has now created the heavens and the earth, and everything is finished except for animals and for man on the sixth day. And in verse number 22, uh, the first chapter of the Bible, you don't have to go very far before you find the word blessing. And God blessed them, referring to the fowls, the whales, the sea, the fish, and all of the creation that he had created up to that point. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and so on. And he uses the word blessing. The word there in the Hebrew is baraka, B-A-R-A-K-A, baraka. And it simply means to speak well of or to give approval of something. Actually, the idea of our benediction comes out of that word. And so God looked at that creation that he had just made all those whales and sea animals and fish and all those exotic sea creatures. And he looked at the birds flying through the sky now that he had just created and the mountains and the forest. and the, All the creation was now completed except man and the warm-blooded mammals. Everything else was now completed. And God looks at it and he praises it. He gives it his approval. He steps back and he speaks well of it. It actually means to speak well of, Baraka. And so he he looks at the creation and he pronounces a blessing upon it. He speaks well of it, if you will. And throughout the Bible, the Bible's full of benedictions where people speak well of something, whether it be speaking well of God or speaking well of other people. In the book of Romans over here, I'm going to turn and... Read it to you, chapter 15 and verse 13. Here's a, for example, here's a benediction. Here is a baraka. Here is a blessing pronounced by the apostle Paul upon the church at Rome. And what a great New Year's verse. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. That'd be a great benediction, wouldn't it? Well, you would stand and I would hold my hand out and I would say, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So a blessing, it means to speak well of something, to give it your approval. And there is such power in that. Evangelist Bill Glass, I don't know if he's even still alive, but I remember when he was preaching across the country, he was an ex-NFL football player who became a fairly well-known evangelist. He was from Florida. And he began to observe the Jews. You know, Florida has one of the highest uh, concentrations of Jewish populations anywhere in the country. And Bill Glass began to observe the Jews. He began to do a study because he saw something significant about Jewish children. He said, Jews account for only 2.7% of the population of our nation. Yet, parents get this, there are fewer Jews in prison than any ethnic group. In Florida, and this was years ago, probably 20 years ago, 30 years ago, He said, in the state of Florida, there are 60,000 people in prison. Of the 60,000 people locked up in prison in Florida, 13 of them are Jews. 13 of 60,000. And Evangelist Glass said, why? How in the world could you get that kind of percentages, that kind of numbers? It's almost like... Jews don't go to jail. And he began to study it in depth and he found a tradition among Jewish parents that Jewish parents take the time to verbally bless their children. It's a part of their tradition. And they bless them on a regular basis. From what he wrote, I assume that they put their hands on the child's head and touched them. And they... Speak over them words of Baraka. Words of praise, words of approval, words that says, "I love you and I have confidence in you, and you're going to do well in life." Very positive, what I would call affirmations. Have you ever thought about the high percentage of Jewish people who win the Nobel Prize? The Pulitzer Prize, the Emmys and the Oscars, and it's it's full of Jewish people. The bankers, the Rothschilds that run the world financially. And in so many circles, the Jewish people have absolutely distinguished themselves. They've written the finest music that the Western civilization has, Mendelssohn, people like that. They're all Jewish. If you go to the orchestras, the big classical orchestras, New York and L.A. and so on, where you have great orchestras, you'll find out that probably half the people playing are of Jewish extraction. Why is it that they have so excelled? Is there some connection between the fact that the parents put their hands on the little boy's head and little girl's head from the time they're this high and pronounce blessings upon them Well, the parents don't have any supernatural power. I'm not implying that at all. But it might affect the way they think of themselves. It might affect their behavior if they don't want to disappoint their parents. Now, I go to Psalm 1 and verse 1, and I see another word, blessed. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And we're going to talk about this one more in depth a little bit later on, so I'll just hurriedly go through it this morning. The word there is esher, E-S-H-E-R in the Hebrew. It doesn't mean that you speak a blessing. It's a state of mind, a state of being, if you will. Blessed or happy is the man Fortunate is the man, prosperous is the man, favored of God is the man who, and it goes on and talks about this man's state of being, his mental, emotional state, if you will. And then I go to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. And I find a third word for blessing. It's the word used by the Lord Jesus Christ because the New Testament, of course, is in Greek. And in the Greek, the word blessed are the poor in spirit, for example. Blessed are they that mourn. And the Lord gave these beatitudes to us. The word beatitude means blessing. So the Lord gave us blessings. He pronounced blessings upon people. And it's an awful lot like Esher. The word is makarios. And it again refers to our state of being, our mental, emotional, spiritual state. It means to be happy, to be satisfied, regardless of what's going on in your life, <clears throat> regardless of what's happening in your life. Macarios, spoken by the Lord. And over and over and over, he spoke that. Now, you know what the, what the word there, uh, okay, you got Macarios there. The blessing will carry you through whatever happens. So think about the, uh, think about the uh, Beatitudes with me. You have blessed are they that mourn. Wait a minute. If you're mourning, it's because you're grieving over somebody, aren't you? You've had a death in the family. But he says, happy and satisfied in spite of the death. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, if you're a peacemaker, there had to be a conflict. So anybody having conflict today and you're upset about it, don't raise your hand. But Makarios says you can be happy in the middle of of your conflict. And then he said, blessed are you when you're persecuted. Ah, we don't want to be persecuted. But regardless of the outward conditions, blessed, Makarios, happy, satisfied, are people who are even going through the most difficult times of life if they have the blessing upon them. Don't you want the blessing upon your life? Boy, that makes me want to find out what this thing is and to go after it with all my being. And then in Mark chapter 10, verse 16, it said that Jesus was teaching the people And they brought unto him little children, and he laid his hands upon them, and he blessed them. He laid his hands. Often this blessing is transferred, if you will, by somebody putting their hands on someone like we do when we ordain people symbolically. And Jesus put his hand. He touched the little child, and he blessed the little child. And there's a fourth word. You know what that word is? That's the strangest one of all. It's the word eulogy. Eulogy. Now, when we use the word eulogy, we mean to say good things about somebody at a funeral, don't we? And that's exactly what the word, it means to speak a good word. So when I conduct a funeral, as I did this week, and I speak good words about the deceased, I offer a eulogy. Eulogy. I'm telling people about the good things. That comes from over there. If you want to write down this reference, it's in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13 where it says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Revelation 14, 13. Blessed are the dead. And since that verse was discovered, I guess people have talked about eulogies. We associate with death. We associate with funerals. We speak good words about the deceased. Do you ever go to a funeral and hear somebody speak bad words about the deceased? you never hear that, I don't think. I heard about a guy who died, and he was the wickedest man in this little town. And the brother of the man said, I've got to find a preacher who will say some good words over my brother. And every preacher in town knew he was as wicked as a snake. And so the man went around town offering $1,000 to any preacher who would say, this man was a saint. He couldn't find any preacher who would do it. A thousand bucks if you will say over my brother's dead body, this man was a saint. Finally, he found a Baptist preacher who took on the job. And at the funeral, what did the preacher say? Compared to his brother, this man was a saint. So there's a way to do it if you can do it, isn't there? You can always find a way. Compared to his brother, this guy was a saint. Eulogies. That's what those Jewish people do. They say eulogies over their children. Parents, I hope you're listening. Cause the power of a word. I have two cards here I carry in my Bible, not in this preaching Bible. Bible. My study Bible. Sometimes I put it in this Bible. And sometimes I sit here before I preach. And I read these cards. This one, these, are the, these were the connection cards in 1982 that we used in our church. Just little three by five cards that says member registration. My mother was sitting in the pews in those days, and my mother wrote on her connection card, 1982, Mrs. Frank Monroe, name, love you. You are my pride and joy. That's a eulogy. That's speaking a good word to your child. The other one, dear William, she always called me that. I love you and I thank the Lord every day for you and your fearless stand for the right. You're a good preacher, mother. How much do you think I'd sell those for? That's a parent giving a eulogy, a baraka, a good word that can have the power to change the whole course of your life. And when things get tough, I read that. I love you. And I thank you for the Lord. And when I get tempted to compromise I thank you for your fearless stand for the right. You're a good preacher. Now, every mother that's got a son in the ministry says he's a good preacher, right? That so doesn't bother me. I don't know if she was right or not. It doesn't matter. My mother said it. And I got the evidence and I carry it around. And I wouldn't sell it to you for $10,000 a day. Because it sets a course for my life. In your Bible, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You've read that one, haven't you? Your tongue has the power to bring death, to kill people's dreams, to kill their ambition, to kill their joy. And your tongue has the power as did my wife or my mother's tongue there with a card and a little note, the power to bring life, the power to inspire, to encourage, to give guidance for the rest of one's entire life. The tongue, what we say to people, all of those words bless people, Or they can curse people. In fact, James chapter 3 and verse 10 says that. It says, the tongue is a little member of the body, but it has a power to curse, and it has the power to bless. And my mother blessed me. And I have the power to bless you, and you have the power to bless me. Now, let me summarize it for you. To bless then means to speak well of and to speak good words about people. To be blessed means to have God's approval and it's the state of mind, the state of being that comes from obedience to God's word. It's an inner peace and inner satisfaction that is given to those of us who know the Lord and are obedient to him. And then a blessing, we have blessed, Blessed and a blessing, blessings refer to the benefits received from God or from other people. They can be good words or they can be gifts. Now, here we are on the first day of the year. You know why this series, I think, is so important is because why don't you determine in your heart, why don't you set out this year to change the way that you speak to people Why don't you start out this year? It could be one of the most transformative and life-changing things that could happen in your life that you say, you know what? When I open my mouth, I'm going to bless. I'm going to benefit people. I'm going to be a help to people rather than a discouragement and a distraction. I'm going to write a note. I'm going to send a card. I'm going to speak a word. I'm going to pick up that phone. I am going to bless other people. And in turn, I believe God will bless me when that is my sincere motive in my heart. So many of us, we cut up people and we hurt people because we speak faultlessly. We're not spirit controlled in our speech. And we can just dice somebody up in little pieces real, real quickly. Our words, bless or they curse. Go back to the text in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. And I'll read it to you from the Amplified. We are called for this purpose. Now stop and look at that. God has called every one of us to bless. And that's the word eulogized there. To speak good words is literally what that word means. We are called for this purpose. The purpose this year for each of us is to speak good words, to bless. To never return evil for evil or insult for insult. But on the contrary, to bless people. How? Pray for their welfare. Help them any way we can to have happiness and joy. To pray for their protection and to show love to them. And then we go to verse number nine there. Know that this is what we have been called to do, that you may receive a blessing. See, this is reciprocal. When I bless others, then God says, you're going to be blessed. When I bless you, then you're going to bless me, and life could be so much better than it is in many, many cases. Back in October, we had a guy named Mark Cahill, booked to come here and preach. Mark is a six foot six basketball, ex-basketball player at Auburn University. He played for four years. He was he's a brilliant guy. He was an academic all-American. And Mark never had read a Bible. He was from up north. He didn't go to church, wasn't in the Bible belt, never heard the gospel. And a student at Auburn gave him a copy of a Bible, and he took it home, started reading it, and long story short, he got saved. And once he got saved, there was a fire in his heart. He was an executive with one of the big companies, I think IBM, for 8, 10 years. When he got saved, the only thing he wanted to do was talk to other people about Jesus. And so he began by resigning his job and took a job teaching and coaching in a Christian school down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And then it gradually led into full-time ministry where now that all Mark does is write and speak and witness for, for Christ. Well, we booked Mark. I'd never met him, but I knew him by reputation. And he, he came to town Saturday night. Sunday morning about 6 o'clock, I got a text. It said, I'm in the intensive care unit at McLeod Medical Center I won't be able to preach. I'm in terrible, terrible pain. And so I'll see you when you can get here. And so after the service, I went up to see Mark. And I, I didn't see it. I saw a man in terrible pain. His face was white, blanched out from the pain, pale as he could be. And yet I noticed everybody that walked in the room, he talked to them he talked to them about Jesus he didn't tell them how bad he was feeling well I come back home and he calls me on my phone he says uh, brother Bill I forgot to tell you when you were here I need some books bring me about 40 or 50 of my books up here so I go up there with a whole box of his books a whole bag full of them and I said Mark what do you want with all these books he said, I want to bless some people today. Now, intensive care, writhing around, kidney stones, heart in AFib, but I want to bless some people today. <laughs> and did he bless people? He gave that book on one heartbeat from eternity to everybody that walked in the room. Doctors, nurses, techs. Everybody that walked in got the same thing as he talked to them about the Lord Jesus. He understood. In fact, that's when I started thinking about this series. He understands something about blessing people. He could have been laying there feeling sorry for himself, wondering what in the world I'm doing in Florence, South Carolina, and in intensive care. I didn't get to speak. I don't know if I'll make any money this week and pay my living, but No. I'm going to bless people. When Mark left the hospital, it must have worked. I kid you not, I've never seen anything like this. They make you go out of the hospital, you know, in a wheelchair. No matter what shape you're in, you have to ride the wheelchair and they push you out. Mark is riding a wheelchair. There must have been 40 people gathered around that wheelchair. Everybody that had attended him was coming by wanting their picture made with him. You would have thought a rock star was in McLeod Hospital. Everybody there just wanted their picture made, and there they all had their book, and they were getting him to sign it because a man said, I'm going to be different than the common lot of humanity. I'm going to bless people even when I'm going through tough times. Doesn't that warm your heart? That warms my heart. If it doesn't warm your heart, well, then there's something wrong with your old heart. <laughs> it ought to warm our hearts because what did First Peter 3 say? It says, God has called us to be a blessing. And all month long, we're gonna talk about how we can do that. And what a great way to start the new year. The prayer of, of Esau To Isaac was what? Bless me, oh, my father. Bless me, oh, my father. I want you to stand to your feet with me right now, if you will, please, and bow your head in prayer.